Greetings, brethren. Welcome to the Feast of Trumpets 2022. And we're certainly in tumultuous times like never before. And that's exactly what has been prophesied. There will be perilous times, all kinds of sins, all kinds of problems, wars, rumors of wars. You can just go through the first part of Matthew 24, and everything is being fulfilled to the letter today. Well, this Feast of Trumpets pictures the direct intervention of God into the world affairs. And that's why it's called the Feast of Trumpets or the blowing of ram's horns, which are always the sound of alarm for war. So the Feast of Trumpets is a war feast. Now let's come to Leviticus 23, which gives us the command. And interesting, as we look at it, it's not very long. But the fulfillment of it is awesome, as we will see. Leviticus 23 and verse 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, that's according to the calculated Hebrew calendar, in the first day of the month, that's today, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of ram's horns, a holy convocation. You shall... Do no servile work therein. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Well, we don't make the offering by fire today, but we make it according to our means as God has provided for us. And God has promised that if we will give, that he will bless. And in proportion to what we give, he also says he will bless. But remember the two mites of the widow. What did Jesus say to the disciples as they looked down and saw this widow throw in her two mites? He said, you see all these rich people throwing in the money? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. They give of their abundance. But she gave of her poverty. even her living. So she has done more than all the rich people. And it's, it's not a matter of how much then. It's also a matter of our heart. Because you see, the New Testament is to change and convert the heart and the mind. And we're going to see that the day of the Lord is a magnificent day indeed, and one 
that the whole world is waiting for, but they don't even understand it. So we'll go ahead and take a pause and take up an offering. Now let's start out by coming to chapter 40 of the book of Isaiah. Now here is a perfect example of what we've discussed, is how God has constructed the Old Testament, especially in prophecy. And that it's not in chronological or sequential order, though the verses follow one after the other. And the only way to understand them is to know the Sabbath, and the holy days. That's why we have the big, thick book. God's plan for mankind revealed by his Sabbath and his holy days. And without the calculated Hebrew calendar to know how these things come about, people can't understand it. But, it's all there. Knowledge of the calculated Hebrew calendar, knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of the prophecies are all there. But people in the world just don't get it, even if they are suffering. Now, Isaiah 40 is a very interesting chapter because it starts out with quite a wonderful verse, which is the opening of the Messiah by Handel. So let's read it. Isaiah 40 and verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So look at all of the trouble that Jerusalem has had down through the history. Wars, wars, wars. And carrying off into captivity. And then you come to the more modern times. There's always been war around Jerusalem. Look at the time of the Crusades. That's what they were fighting for. And the fighting between the so-called Christians and the so-called Muslims for control of Jerusalem. Huh. And many of them in those days thought that if they would get there and capture Jerusalem, that Jesus would come. Now, that's been over 500 years ago. And he still hasn't come. Okay. Now, what we see is the first two verses are for when all the wars are over and Christ comes on the earth. 
with all the saints and we take over the government. Verse 3, it goes to John the Baptist. Who what? Who was the messenger before the face of the Lord? Let's read it. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. One verse. And that's true. Jesus came. And where did he start his ministry? In the wilderness to meet Satan the devil. Right? Yes. Now notice what happens in the next verse. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Huh. You think of that. Okay. Every valley, every mountain, every hill. Read it. Now verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Christ's second coming is he's coming to the earth. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So I remember this, whenever God says something, it's going to happen. The only difficulty is, it's not going to happen the way that men think. It's going to happen the way that God has proposed. Now notice the next one. A voice says, and this is John the Baptist calling out repentance. Cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all the beauty of it is as the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. So here's a mingling of the first and second coming. And also telling us about the nature of human being. It's like Solomon wrote, vanity of vanity. And in Psalm 39, that man at his very best is altogether vanity. Well, that's an amazing thing to understand, isn't it? Huh? Well, let's make sure our lives are not in vain. Now, notice verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. And that's one thing we need to learn. It'll stand forever. Now let's see, coming to Isaiah, the second chapter, again, how it blends into the meaning of the Feast of Trumpets, the coming of Jesus Christ and the saints to the earth. Let's come to Isaiah 2. Verse 1. 
the first five verses are the beginning of the millennium. Then it comes down to how it came about. Okay. Verse 9. Now, isn't this something? I want you to think about this. Because men today think that they're able to do so many things and that they are nearly invincible. And that those who are preparing for war are believing that they are invincible and the first one to win will rule the world. But it isn't going to happen that way. Okay? Let's read it. Verse 9, And men will be brought low and humbled. Forgive them not. And why? Because we'll see a little later that they didn't repent of their sins. Enter into the rock, hide in the dust for the fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. Ha! Huh. Comes right down to the sixth seal. Now you see how amazing that the Bible is? So it has to be put together properly. So this is what we're going to do today. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the pride of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Now, that's quite a thing to contemplate. Now, we'll read about it. Now, today, it's not that way. Verse 12, For the day of the Lord of hosts, now, we're talking about a specific time. The day of the Lord is the last year of trumpets to trumpets, as we find in what book? The book of Revelation, written 900 years after this. Amazing. And remember, if you don't have the series on Daniel and Revelation, Daniel is like the lock to prophecy, and Revelation is like the key that you put into the lock, and it opens up everything. And it gives us a time frame for a lot of these prophecies. The day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every proud and haughty one upon every exalted one, and they shall be brought low. And it shall be upon the high and lifted cedars of Lebanon. Now this is liking strong, powerful men with their armies to trees. And upon all the oaks of Bashan, upon all the mountains, upon all the hills that are lifted up, upon every high tower, upon every fortified wall, upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon all pleasurable craft, and the pride of man shall be bowed down. And the haughtiness of man shall be made low. Yeah. 
and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Now then it goes right into the millennium. What's the first thing God is going to do? There it is, verse 18. And the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Now, God's going to get the attention of everyone when he shakes the earth. It's going to be the whole earth everywhere, top to bottom, all the way around. And in that day, now there are going to be some men who realize that all of their idols mean nothing, that their idols can't save them. In the face of what God is doing. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver, his idols of gold, which they have made each one for himself to worship, going to cast them to the moles and to the bats and go into the clefts of the rock, into the tops of the jagged rocks for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Now, what is that going to be like? My. That's going to be something indeed, isn't it? All right. Now, let's come to the book of Haggai. Let's see the prophecy here. Now, you see, here's the thing. Book of Haggai. All the way through the Old Testament, we have all of these things concerning the return of Christ. And so... You can see why some of the scribes and Pharisees did not want to accept him. And they wanted him to join them and set up a world government. But Christ wanted them to repent of their lies and false religion and repent and receive the Holy Spirit so they could truly develop the character that at his second coming, they would be able to do that. But not his first coming. Okay? Let's come to Haggai 2 and verse 6. Here we have again. God is going to shake it. And I hope you enjoyed those pictures that we showed couple of months back on the new James Webb space telescope pictures that reached out, they say, 13 billion light years. That ought to tell you God exists. Okay. Now verse 6, Haggai 2. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once again, in yet a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come. That's Christ. 
They don't know that their desire. They just want peace. Many of them. But the leaders want war, and the armies want war. So they're going to get it. Okay. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, when Christ returns, as we have seen, and we'll see during the Feast of Tabernacles, that he's not going to build a temple. And in Ezekiel 40, to the end of Ezekiel, is not the millennial temple. That's the second temple. Millennial temple is going to be a great and marvelous tabernacle. So we'll look at it then, okay? Now let's come here to verse 20. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 20, book of Haggai. And a second time the word of the Lord came to Haggai in the 24th day of the month. That is the 24th day of the seventh month which is just after the Feast of Tabernacles, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of the kingdoms. Now, who's sitting on the throne of the kingdoms? None other than the beast who is possessed by Satan, the devil. And I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations, and I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses, and their riders shall come down, each one by the sword of his brother. Now then, Zerubbabel, the son of Selatiel, was a type of Jesus Christ. Okay, now how bad is this going to get? Again, let's look at it. Let's come to Isaiah 24. Okay. So let's read it. And here again, it is quite a tremendous and fantastic thing that's going to happen. Verse 1. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste. He turns it upside down and scatters its inhabitants. That's amazing. Now, how's that going to work? Well, because of all the hills that are brought low, all the mountains that are brought low, all the valleys that are exalted, that's turning it upside down without literally turning it upside down. However, it has been known that the poles, North Pole and South Pole, have switched. So, in a sense, that would be like turning the earth upside down. And it shall be with the people, so shall it be with the priest. As with the slave, so with the master. As with the handmaid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor, the earth shall be completely empty. Now, of what? Everything that man has done. 
land waste, utterly stripped, for the Lord has spoken this word. Now notice what he says that it does to the earth. And the earth's response to God. The earth mourns and languishes. The world withers and languishes. The proud people of the earth withered. And the earth is defiled under its people because they have transgressed the laws. Changed the ordinance, and have broken the everlasting covenant. Now, what do you think the Protestants are going to feel about this time? Okay? Because they, their ministers, and all the people down through history who do away with the laws of God, and those in the end time that are actively doing it in the face of God, are going to really understand what's happening. Okay? Therefore the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore the people of the earth are burned and few been left. Okay? So that's quite a thing. Okay? Now, Let's go to Isaiah 13. Let's see how it is. Now, this is why the book of Isaiah is such an amazing book, because there are so many things in it, but it's, it's like a puzzle. It's like a thousand-piece puzzle that is dumped on a table and all mixed up, and all of the parts look almost identical. And the only way you can put the puzzle together is to understand the Word of God and to understand the key of the holy days. Okay? So here with the Feast of Trumpets that we're covering today, this tells us what God has to do to straighten out the world. Okay? Chapter 13, Isaiah. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. Okay, now remember, there's Babylon in the days of Judea, in the five, beginning in the, toward the end of the 600s. Okay. Israel taken into captivity by Babylon. And then after 70 years, they come back. Huh. Without the book of Revelation to understand, there is a Babylon the Great, which describes the whole world. You wouldn't understand this chapter here. Okay. So we'll read it. Verse 2. Lift up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice of them. Wave the hand so that they may go into the gates of the nobles. 
I have commanded my holy ones. I have called my mighty ones for my anger, even those who rejoice in my triumph. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, as of a great people, a tumultuous house of the kingdom of nations gathered together, the Lord of hosts gathers an army for battle. And yes, those are the battles of Revelation 8 and 9 and the last battle of Armageddon. They come from a far country from the end of the heaven. The Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole earth. How for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Well, that's going to be a time. See, and think of this. In spite of all of this, in addition to the 144,000 and the great innumerable multitude, which we also covered on Pentecost, okay, there will be people who will be human beings to survive through all of this. Now, that's going to be an amazing thing. And think what we're going to have to do to help those people, to help them understand, to come to them and say, now, be healed. Oh, they're healed. And we tell them, Christ is ruling in Jerusalem, and he has sent us to help you so that you can recover from all of these terrible things that have come upon the earth. It's going to be an amazing thing indeed. How for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands shall be faint, every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain like a woman who travails, and they shall be amazed at one another. Their faces are like blazing fire. Don't know exactly what that means, but uh, I, I can't imagine that, okay? Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel. Yes. Both with wrath and fierce anger to make the earth a desolation and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. Okay. Now it's going to be quite a thing. When that happens and he shakes the heaven and he shakes the earth, notice, for the stars of heaven and her constellations shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth and the moon shall not reflect its light. For I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the tyrants. And I will make man more scarce than gold, even man more than the fine gold of Ophir. Therefore, 
I will shake the heavens and the earth and it shall move out of its place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Okay? Now, that's breathtaking to read all of those things. When you understand that it's going to happen exactly that way. And so we also need to understand something else. Let's come to Jeremiah 25. All right? Jeremiah 25. Now here's a prophecy that Jeremiah was never able to fulfill in the journey that he was told to take. Okay? Now let's begin in verse 13. Jeremiah 25. And I will bring on the land all my words which I have spoken against it. So you take all the words of the Old Testament and you line all of them up concerning the wars that are going to happen at the end. And then as we will do, you go to the book of Revelation and see how it comes to pass. And every word will be fulfilled. And everything that God has said will take place. And I will bring on that land all my words which I have spoken against it, all that is written in this book, that's the whole Bible, which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. So you start with the book of Jeremiah and you go to the other books of the Bible. For many nations and great kings shall make them slaves, and I will repay them according to their deeds and according to their works, the works of their own hands. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Take the wine cup of this my wrath in your hand. And we get to the book of Revelation we're going to see that wrath comes out in seven vials and cause all the nations to whom I shall send you to drink of it. And they shall drink and reel to and fro and be crazed because of the sword that I will send among them. So then he took it and then in vision, he goes to all the nations of the world. Okay. Come down here to verse 26. All the kings of the north, far and and near, one with another, all the kingdoms of the world which are on the face of the earth. In other words, everyone. No one's going to escape this. And the king of Shishak shall drink after them. Now, that is the coming beast power of the book of Revelation. Okay? So let's see what God is going to do. Let's see how it's going to be done. Therefore you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink and be drunk and vomit and fall and rise no more because of the sword 
which I will send among you. That will happen. And it shall come to pass, if they refuse to take of the cup at your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You shall certainly drink. For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. Remember where we started? Isaiah 40. And shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished. For I will call for a sword upon all. Notice, circle that. All. The inhabitants of the earth. And up here in verse 26, it says, All the kingdoms of the world. And prophesy against them all these words, and say to them, The Lord shall roar from on high, and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar over his dwelling place, that is Jerusalem. And he shall give a shout like the shout of those who tread out grapes against all the people of the earth. Now, that's something to consider. Okay. And a noise shall come to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations, and he will plead with all flesh. Will you now turn from your sins? Will you now forsake them? Will you now worship the true God who is coming on this earth and causing all of these terrible things to occur? What is it that you will do? Okay. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation. And a great whirlwind shall be stirred up from the furthest correction. And a great whirlwind shall be stirred up from the farthest corners of the earth. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth, they shall not be mourned, nor gathered, nor buried. They shall be as dung on the ground. Now look at what's going to happen to the leaders. Okay. Howl, you shepherds, and cry, and wallow yourselves in the ashes, you lords of the flocks. For the days of your slaughter and of your scattering are fulfilled, and you shall fall like a choice vessel. And the shepherds shall have no way to flee, nor the lords of the flock to escape. Okay? So it's not going to be that anyone will escape any of this. Okay? Okay, that's something. So this day, now we know the 144,000 great innumerable multitude 
will be protected. But now let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll go to the book of Revelation and see how all of these things will be fulfilled. Because it will. Now let's continue on with the Feast of Trumpets, and let's come to Revelation, the sixth chapter. Now this is where we see the fulfilling of the words that we have read from the Old Testament, the beginning of it. But it spread out from here all the way through the seven last plagues. And so this world is going to come to the point of war and frenzy and just everything that we read in the Old Testament. See? Now here is where all of this is going to begin. And it's overlap with Pentecost. Okay? So let's back up to the Pentecost that this happens on. Revelation 6 and verse 12. Okay. This is Christ opening from heaven to let the world know that he is God and God is coming to the earth. Verse 12, and he opened the sixth seal, and I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, if you're going to raise every valley, lower every hill, guess what you're going to have? Earthquakes. Now, there are a number of earthquakes. We'll see them in the book of Revelation from here going forward in the fulfilling of all of these prophecies of the return of Christ and the destruction of Babylon the Great, which is the whole world. Because as we saw with the prophecies in the Old Testament, it includes all nations, all people, all kingdoms, the whole world. And every eye is going to see him. Every eye is going to see this. Okay? Verse 12 again. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as the hair of sackcloth, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree shakes its untimely figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. God said he's going to shake terribly the heavens and the earth. There it is right there. And the heavens roll back like a scroll that is being rolled up. Now, as we covered on, on Pentecost, this opens up the heavens, and then all of a sudden, the sign of the Son of Man, Matthew 24, appears as it shines from the east to the west. And in Malachi, the fourth chapter, he is, it said, the Son of Righteousness, S-U-N, shall come upon you. Okay, so it's going to show 
what looks like a second sun. And when that first happens, the whole world's going to think, yes, the return of Christ. But that sun out there, that's the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, does not come any closer to the earth. And since Satan is leading the whole world, he convinces them that this is the this is an invasion from outer space, which it will be. Okay. Because when we get to the seven last plagues, why would they fight against such odds? And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall upon us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Because the great day of his wrath has come. The great day. Okay? So when this happens, it opens up. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a great calm. And then God selects the 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel, and a great innumerable multitude. Okay? Now then, even though they are saved at this point, they will still be on the earth. And as we found out from Hosea 5 and 6, that in chapter 6 it says that the tribulation will end in two days, or that is two years, and that leaves a year and a half to finish all the events with Christ returning. First event to take place is sealing 144,000 and great innumerable multitude. All right? Now then, we know because it tells us, now these are living, right? Yes. That the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're told that we are not going to be raised until the seventh trump sounds or the last trump sounds. So, these who have been saved here will remain alive as human beings until the last trumpet is sound, and that's the seventh trump of the seven trumpets, and they will be changed and from flesh to spirit, okay? Now, from the time of this taking place on Pentecost to the time when these great wars are unleashed, it's about four months plus because it runs from Pentecost to trumpets, and during that space of time, 144,000 great innumerable multitude are saved and sealed by the angel, okay? And the world gets a chance to get everything straightened out as much as possible from the way that the earth has been shaken and everything upside down and everything has to be put in order. And now then, the battle between 
the angels of God and men against Satan and the demons and men in Revelation 8, Revelation 9. So, Revelation 8 begins with the trumpet plagues, and that starts on the Feast of Trumpets. So you have that space of time from Pentecost to Trumpets, where it looks like nothing further is going to happen. But the kings of the earth are planning war. So let's read it. Chapter 8, Revelation, verse 1. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour, and I saw seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Okay? Now they have to sound them. And something happens every time that they do. So we'll read that. Now, here is the only place in the Bible where we have numbered the succession of trumpets, and the number is seven. And so the seventh trump is the last trump, and that's when the resurrection takes place, and we'll see that in just a little bit. But that does not take place on trumpets. That takes place on Pentecost, because the next Pentecost is the Pentecost of resurrection. And seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel who had a golden censer came and stood before the altar, and much incense was given to him so that he might offer it with the prayers of all the saints. Now, who are the prayers of all the saints? That is the 144,000 great innumerable multitude and those few in a place of safety because all of the rest have been martyred because of the fifth seal. Okay. With the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that was before the throne. Now think about that for a minute, just a little sidebar. Your prayers go straight to God. That's the whole purpose of grace. God's connection with you, with his spirit, and your connection with God because of his spirit. Now verse 4, And the smoke of the incense went up before God from the hand of the angel, ascending with the prayers of the saints. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. Another earthquake. Here we have chapter 6 with the sixth seal. Okay. Earthquake. Now here, an earthquake. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound the trumpets and the first angel sounded his trumpet 
Now, here it comes. The first four trumpet plagues come in rapid succession. And then the last three are broken down into two and one. We'll see that. So when he sounds his trumpet, there was hail and fire mingled with blood, and it was cast upon the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Okay. Then the second angel sounded his trumpet, and there was cast into the sea, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures that were in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Doesn't pay to be a sailor at that time, does it? And the third angel sounded his trumpet, and there fell out of heaven a great star, burning like a lamp, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the fountains of water, and the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from drinking the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was smitten, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, and a third of them were darkened, and a third part of the day did not shine, and likewise a third part of the night. Turning everything upside down. That's the result of sin and the punishment that is coming. And all of those who are caught up in it are receiving the full wrath of God. Verse 13, And I looked and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying to, with a loud voice, Whoa! Whoa! Woe to those who are dwelling on the earth because of the voices of the remaining trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound their trumpets. It's going to be something. Then we have the fifth angel. Okay. Now this is quite a thing because the wars of Revelation 9 are the worst wars in the whole history of the world up to that time. And the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and there was given to him the key of the bottomless abyss. That's the person of Satan and the demons, but Satan is not there yet. But we'll see that when Christ returns, they will all be put into the prison for a thousand years. Okay. And he opened the bottomless abyss, and there went up smoke from the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit. Then locusts came onto the earth, From the smoke and power was given to them as scorpions of the earth, as the scorpions of the earth have power. 
Now then, this is interesting. Is this the secret weapon where no one could make war against the beast? Now it's brought out in its full demonic posture. Okay? And it was said to them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Now, over here, it said the grass was all burned up. Okay? Verse 7. So what happens after it's burned up? Well, grass doesn't think. If it gets water, it grows. So with all the things going on and the darkness taking place and the clouds, there must have been a lot of rain, and so the grass comes back. So now they're told, don't hurt the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. So the 144,000 great and innumerable multitude are protected. And it was given to them that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. And they will desire to die, but death shall flee from them. So this is an excruciating weapon coming against all of the armies. Now, these are probably the armies of the, of the beast. Because then the armies from the east will come in the next one, when the next trumpet is sound, the sixth trumpet. And this is going to be awesome. Let's read on. And the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for war, and on their heads were crowns like those of gold, and their faces were like the faces of men, and they had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like those of lions. And they had breastplates like iron breastplates, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots driven by many horses running to war. So this is a phenomenal weapon that they have going out, paralyzing everyone who gets it. And they can't do anything for five months. And they had tails like serpents and stingers and they were given power to injure men with their tails for five months. And they had a king over them, the angel of the abyss. Who is the angel of the abyss? None other than Satan, the devil. Okay. In the name of Hebrew, Abaddon. And the name he has in Greek, Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, after these things, two more woes are still to come. And here is the sixth. Okay. And the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. And it said 
to the sixth angel who had the trumpets, loose the four angels who were bound in the great river Euphrates. Imagine that. Four demons bound somewhere in the great river Euphrates. And they're there now. But they can't get out until this time in the future when it's time for them to come out. Then the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year. Okay? Does God fulfill things according to his schedule? Yes, indeed. And it's going to happen. They were loosed that they might kill a third of men. Now, that is going to be the greatest slaughter up until that time that has ever been in the history of the world. Okay? Now, as we go through how bad and how terrible these things are, let's look back at the time when the world was so bad that everyone's thoughts were only evil continually, and that's why the flood had to come and destroy everything on the earth except what God saved with Noah and his family in the ark. Amazing. Okay. When it comes time for God to act, He's going to act. He will have all the armies, all the mechanisms, everything all ready to go. The angels ready to go. Okay. Now notice how huge that these armies were. So if you think China is rising to the heights right now, you have seen nothing yet. It's going to get greater and bigger and more powerful than anything has ever been, along with the different nations of the East. Okay? Now think about this a minute. These armies are so many that they will be strung back from the river Euphrates all the way to the East. Let's read it. And the number of the armies of the horsemen were 200,000, 200 million. Now, look, it says armies. You can't have an army, 200 million. You have to have an army here, an army here, army here, army here. And you need millions of soldiers and millions of those backing up with supplies and everything ready to go, all the implements of war, okay? The only place this can come is from the east, okay? And I saw the horses in division and those sitting on them who had fiery breastplates, even like jasoneth and brimstone, and heads of horses were like heads of lions, and fire and smoke and and brimstone shoot out of their mouth. Now, people have wondered, are these going to be like robots? No, I don't think so. 
because robots can be done in very easily. But men, if they're highly protected, can endure quite a few things. Okay? Now, back in Joel, second chapter, it talks about this is God's army. And they come, and they're powerful, and everything before them is subdued and destroyed. Okay? Now, notice, by these, a third of men were killed. So here we have total two-thirds of men being killed up to this point. So the earth is going to be decimated of people, stacks of corpses and bodies everywhere, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone that shoot out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouths, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they inflict wounds. So this is going to be an awesome thing while all of them have this power and released on the earth. Now notice, talking about men, not robots, but the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the works of their hands. So God, through all of this, is looking. Is any going to repent? Are they going to turn from their evil? Are they going to recognize that I am involved in this? That they might not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which do not have the power to see or to hear or to walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thievery. Okay. Then chapter 10 comes. Chapter 10 is a very short but very interesting chapter because the angel who had the seven thunders was ready to release them, and John was ready to write it down. Then a voice came from heaven and said, don't write them down. Okay. Now then, this means no one knows what the seven thunders will be. Now, there are some men who claim they know, but they don't. They go back into the seals and go back into the trumpet plagues and draw from that and say, that's what the seven thunders will be. We don't know. Okay. And John didn't know. But John had to take a little book from the hand of that great angel who stood one foot on the earth and one foot in the ocean. And he was told, take and eat it. It'll be sweet in your mouth and bitter in your belly. And so he did. And so the message was this. Verse 10 of chapter 10. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but after I ate it, my belly was bitter, and he said to me, you must again prophesy against many people and nations and languages and kings. Whoever's left, okay, a third, two-thirds of men 
will die up to this point. That means if there are at that time 9 billion people on the earth, that means 3 billion are still left. And the message of repentance must go out. So how that will happen, we do not know. But it will. Then we have chapter 11 with the two witnesses. Now, the key to this is this. Two witnesses prophesy for 1260 days. They're the first two raised on the last Pentecost. Okay. And the seven trumpet sounds when they're being raised and all the rest of the dead are resurrected, then we which are alive are carried up and we are taken to the sea of glass. Okay. When we get on the sea of glass, we're going to see a marvelous thing. We've already covered everything that's going to happen on the sea of glass. So I won't repeat it here. But there are the seven angels with the seven last plagues. Now, verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and awesome, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them... The wrath of God is filled up. Now then, they are assigned the seven last plagues, but they don't get them until you come down here to verse 5. Because they have to be given the plagues in the vial so they can pour them out. All right? Verse 5, and after these things, that's everything on the sea of glass, and you can tie that in with Revelation 19, and there are three hallelujahs of celebration that we're born into the kingdom of God, that the wedding supper of the Lamb is taking place, that the marriage of the Lamb and his wife takes place, and everybody makes themselves ready, Okay? And that will last from Pentecost to trumpets. Okay? So, the seven angels are given the seven last plague. And they came out of the temple, and they were clothed in linen, pure and bright, and girded about the chest with golden breastplates. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. Okay? That's the seven last plagues. Who lives into the ages of eternity. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now then, here is the last devastation of the earth. Okay. And all of these plagues that come are devastating. Okay. And it's going to be a finality of war. Yes, there will be 
some of the 200 million who don't die of these things. And when we come down from the sea of glass, then we're all going to fight against all of them and the beast and false prophet will be taken. Okay, But first, all the seven last plagues come out. First angel went and poured out his vial into the earth, and an evil and grievous sore fell upon the men who had the mark of the beast and upon those who had worshipped his image. Second angel poured out his vial into the sea, and it became his blood like that of a dead man, and every living soul, huh, in the sea died. Souls die. And a third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers into the fountains of waters, and they became blood. See? Because you go back to the other ones, it was poured out there, but then the water started flowing again, and it cleared up. Okay? So now we have the same thing here. Everything cleared up, and so now they're going to be turned into blood. Then I heard the angel of the water say, You are righteous, O Lord, who are and who was even the Holy One, in that you have executed these judgments. For they have poured out the blood of the saints and of the prophets. And you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another voice from the altar say, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given to it, to scorch men with fire, extreme heat blasting from the sun. Then men were scorched with great heat. They blasphemed the name of God, who has authority over the plagues, and did not repent to give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, yet they did not repent of their works. And the sixth angel poured out his vial into the great river Euphrates, and its waters were dried up so that the way of the king's from the rising of the sun might be prepared so that they could come. And he's going to gather them to Armageddon. But because of everything that happened, they've got to be convinced that they can win, that they can turn back this invasion of the alien to take over the earth. So this means that all the Chinese, all the Indians, and all the remnant of the armies of the 200 million, and we don't know how many that will be. But it's going to be a great army. And they're going to come, they're going to have to be persuaded. So here's what Satan does. Verse 13, Then I saw 
Three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons working wonders, going forth to the kings of the earth, even the whole world. How long that takes, we don't know, but it's going to happen. To gather them together to the battle of the great day of the Almighty God. Now here's a little inset verse for all of us to take warning and take heed. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is the one who is watching and keeping his garments, so that he may not walk naked, and they may not see his shame. Huh. You tie that in with the Laodiceans, right? Poor and blind and naked, yes. Okay. So here's the warning. Now, it comes back to the gathering of the armies. Verse 16. And he gathered them together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. A loud voice came out of the temple of God from the throne saying, It is finished! And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and it was a great earthquake, such as was not since there were men on the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Now think about what we're going to have to do to help clean up this world with all these dead people, with all these broken buildings, with all everything shattered, turned upside down, everyone's minds and emotions absolutely shot because of the, of, of the shock that is coming upon the whole world. Wow. And a great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations, and Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island disappeared, and no mountains were found, that is, right there in the area, okay? A great hail, each one the weight of a talent, fell down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, for the plague was exceedingly great. Now then, let's come to chapter 19. Okay? Chapter 19. Because everything is all done in heaven, we've all been instructed, we know what we're going to do, we're given our white horses, and we're to follow Christ down for the final battle that's going to finish off the battle there. Okay, so it says right here, verse 11, Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written, that no man knows except him, okay? And he was clothed with a garment dipped in blood. And his name is called 
the word of God. Go back to John 1.1. And his armies in heaven were following him on white horses. That's us. Yep, we'll get that white horse and come on. It's not some old nag. It's a brand new white horse ready to go. And we've learned how to ride it. And we're going to say, here we go, whatever the name of the horse will be. All right? And here we come with Christ down to the earth. All right? And we're clothed in fine linen, pure and white. And out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword that he might smite the nations, and he shepherds them with a rod of iron, and he treads out the winepress of the fury and the wrath of Almighty God. And on his garment and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Imagine that. We're, we're kings and priests under Christ. Here comes the government of God on earth. Jesus Christ and all the saints, direct from God the Father from in heaven above, right from the temple of God, right down to the earth. And here we come. Okay. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come, gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God, because we're going to see what's going to happen to the flesh of all of those that come to fight this last thrust of Christ as Christ and the saints come to the earth. So come and eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, flesh of horses, the flesh of those who sit on them, the flesh of all free and bond, small and great. In other words, God's going to clean up the mess with all of these birds eating the flesh. Can't you just hear the noise? Here we're coming down this way, and here come all the buzzards, all the vultures, and all the ravens from everywhere in the world gathering. And they come down, and they look down on the earth and see all of these corpses and the flesh. And they say, let's go eat. Okay? And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war with him, who sits on the horse and with his army. And the beast was taken. And with him the false prophet who worked the miracles in his presence, by which he had deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed by the sword of him, who sits on the horse, even the word that goes out of his mouth, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now let's come back to Zechariah 14. Okay? Because this is something. Okay? Here we are. We're coming back to the earth. Come back here. Zechariah 14. Last chapter in the book of Zechariah. So here it is. A prophecy of it. 
over 2,000 years before it occurred. Verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and your spoils shall be divided in your midst. For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. Where did we begin? Speak unto Jerusalem that her warfare is accomplished. Yes. And the city shall be taken, the horses plundered, the women raped. Half of the city shall go into exile. The rest of the people shall be cut off from the city. And the Lord shall go out and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. We read that, Revelation 19. And his feet shall stand in that day on a Mount of Olives, the same mountain from which he ascended to go to God the Father when after he was resurrected and went to present himself to the Father, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives was split in two from the east to the west and make a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall move toward the north. Half of the mountain shall move toward the south. So this is a whole change of geography there. Something you'd never expect, but is going to take place. Okay. And it says, verse 5, And you shall flee to the valley of my mountain, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azel, and you shall flee as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all his saints with him. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, and it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light, and it shall be in that day living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the East Sea, half of them toward the Western Sea, in summer and in winter it shall be, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day, there shall be one Lord, and his name shall be one. Now, here's the plague that's going to come on all of those, Revelation 19. And this, verse 12, and this shall be the plague with which the Lord will smite the people who have fought against Jerusalem, their flesh shall consume away while they stand on their feet. And their eyes shall consume out of their sockets, and their tongues shall consume out of their mouth. And it shall be in that day a great panic from the Lord shall be among them. Okay. And they shall each one lay hold of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor, and Judah shall also fight. Now, and Judah shall also fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the nations all around shall be gathered, gold and silver and clothing in great abundance. Yes, indeed. 
Everything's going to be made right at that time. And likewise shall be the plague of the horse, the mule, the camel, the donkey, and all the beast which shall be in these camps. It shall be as this plague. And then verse 16 gets into, we're going to start keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, indeed. And what does the Feast of Tabernacles picture? But the government of God and the church of God on the whole earth. But there's one thing yet that has to happen before this can be fulfilled. And that one thing comes on the Day of Atonement. So we'll continue the rest of the story on that day.